Welcome to Off The Grid Radio. Better ideas to bust you and your family out of today's global control grid. Now, here's today's show. Hi, welcome to another edition of Off The Grid Radio. I'm Michael Faust of OffTheGridNews.com. Today's guest is Sarah Thompson Bradison. She is co-author of Stories Guide to Raising Dairy Goats, and she is a licensed cheesemaker and goat cheese promoter. She's also a life member of the American Dairy Goat Association and an active member of the Wisconsin Dairy Goat Association for more than 30 years. Uh, she was the owner and operator, for more than 30 years I should say, she was the owner and operator of one of Wisconsin's first goat cheese farmsteads. Mm-hmm. Sarah, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Michael. Nice to be here. But the book, of course, uh, once again, is Stories Guide to Raising Dairy Goats. It's a wonderful book. It's in its fifth edition. It was originally published in the 70s. Uh, the co-author of the author back then was, was Jerry, um, Jerry Bellinger. Uh, and of course, uh, he is now co-author along with Sarah of this. Uh, Sarah, you know, most of the world drinks goat milk, but you are an American. And, and of course, in America, <laughs> most of us drink uh, milk from cows. How did you become such a, a fan of goat milk and, and goats in general? Hmm. Uh, I, I have been writing for newspapers for a zillion years, and one of my first assignments was a June Dairy Month assignment. Go out and find somebody who has something to do with dairy. And I tend to think outside the box, and I didn't want to just go to cows, which, of course, in Wisconsin, that's really pretty easy to yeah. do. So, I mean, you can find cows. So I found a... A neighbor I'd been driving past for a couple of years and always had goats out in the yard and set up an interview there. It was um, a household. They had their goats for making for their own milk, for making cheese and ice cream and butter, and got into a conversation with them, put together the story for the newspaper. And um, the man I was married to at the time uh, got a little disgusted with me just having horses. He said, hey, you know, can we have something that gives back more than manure? And I thought back to the goats, and I said, well, how does this sound for an idea? So that got it started. So I, I, I will forever blame him for having got me <laughs> stuck into goats. Uh, <laughs> that, that's that's what happened. That's it was incredible. Somebody who was yeah, looking for self-sufficiency, and and that's where it started. So, that's an amazing story. So you were a newspaper reporter, mm-hmm. uh, just just you know, you're given an assignment, and you wanted to do something outside the box, and that's that's kind of what sparked your interest. And then that, then of course, your then husband kind of took it to the next level. Um, it's estimated just for our audience that 65 percent of the world drinks goat milk for their milk consumption instead of cow's milk. Uh, I'm curious, uh, Sarah, what are the benefits of goats over cows for farmers and for modern homesteaders? Uh, mostly the size. Uh, if, if you want to feed thousands and, and thousands of people, cows are probably the better way to do it. Um, if you are if you are looking for uh, well that is if those thousands and thousands of people have to happen to live in a place where you can grow all of the, the uh, alfalfa you can grow all <laughs> the silage and the corn right. terrific but there aren't that many places in the world that are like North America because of that the goat has always been the queen she is the one who can most efficient most efficiently uh, produce milk produce meat in the form of kids, uh, four-legged kids, that is, uh, <laughs> kids, and, and, and do it on 
minimal pasture, minimal nutrients even, uh, and very, very rough sorts of ground. So uh, the, the, the queen is, she's, she's the queen every place except in North America. Hmm. And how much milk will, uh, will one, uh, one doe produce? Well, you get a lot of answers on those questions that <laughs> end with, the, well, that depends. Um, if in, in North America, we're looking at a really good goat that is going to give, uh, let's say, a half a gallon of milk average per day. But that's not for 365 days. Um, that's, that's for 305 days. Uh, we generally have... Uh, we plan on a 10-month lactation, and then the goats have two months of recovery and rebuilding, and it's when they're already bred, so they're also developing the fetus so that at the 12-month mark when they have those kids, they're in good condition and, and ready to start milking again. So roughly you know, a really good milker, you're yeah. aiming for a, a gallon a day average over a 10-month period. So a family of four really wouldn't need that many goats at all if they're just wanting milk for themselves. Correct. Okay. But it's tough to come up with a really good goat. Now, (laughs) as soon as we're talking about numbers, this is also really important. You do not get one goat. Um, Goats are herd animals. Uh, the it, your neighbors will not like it. You probably wouldn't like it because those animals will attach to the people in the house. That means that every time you come out the door, that goat is going to be yelling, "Hey, what about me?" And it gets really loud. You don't want it to do that. So um, I would always recommend two goats and uh, two goats or more. It, it depends entirely on what you want to do with your goats. If you're just going to have milk, you want to find out how much. Uh, the goats happen to give, and then uh, adjust that to what your needs are in the house. Now, two goats does not necessarily mean they have to be two female goats that are both milking. You can also get a weather, you know, a castrated male, um, just as a companion for the other one. Maybe use it for driving a cart or, or uh, put put a saddle and panniers on it and, and go hiking hiking <laughs> with this animal. <laughs> if you're going to have two female goats, then you have the advantage of breeding them in a way that they overlap each other's 10-month lactation period. Goats are seasonal animals, so that um, in about September, when the days start getting shorter, they will start uh, cycling. They'll, they'll have a heat every, every 21 days until they're bred. If you, if, if you have one of your does bred early, September, somewhere around there, and then have the doe bred at the other end of the season, which generally is January. That means that each one will milk for 10 months. That one will be dried for two months, but the other one is still milking. So you can, you can overlap your milk supply during the year. Otherwise, you end up at month 10 and you're running to the grocery store to get milk, which kind of defeats the purpose of, of having those animals in your household. That's helpful. Sarah, let's take a quick break. When we return, we will continue our conversation with Sarah thompson Bradison. She is the co-author of the book, Stories Guide to Raising Dairy Goats. In a moment, we'll talk about breeds. We'll also talk about uh, clearing up weeds in your yards with, with goats. We'll be right back.
If you've ever wanted to grow the absolute best tasting fruits and vegetables imaginable, here's some exciting news. There's a new product designed to make growing delicious produce easy. It's called Protogrow, and it's dynamite in the garden. Protogrow is a bioactive superfood for plants that works by providing true broad spectrum nutrition, allowing plants to achieve their full genetic expression. What does this mean in the garden? It means mouthwatering fruits and vegetables, brilliantly colored flowers, herbs that finally grow to medicinal strength, blue ribbon garden produce jam-packed with bioavailable minerals and trace elements, giant pumpkins, even high-potency, high-bricks wheatgrass. Proto Grow is a proprietary blend of full-spectrum nutrients from the sea. It literally contains the basic building blocks of life itself. In fact, Protogrow is so effective at producing rapid plant growth in record time that it almost forces plants to grow even under the worst light and soil conditions. It's also perfect for growing your own survival foods and might just be the ultimate hard times barter item. To grow tastier fruits and vegetables right now, go to growlikecrazy.com. That's growlikecrazy.com or call 877-327-0365. 877-327-0365. Off the Grid News, because you want a different paradigm. Sarah, let's talk now about how much land uh, a homesteader or a farmer needs, small farmer needs for goats. Let's say they have two goats. How much land is that person going to need? I did say something about that depends. It's going to come up a whole bunch. Um, the goats will, will get along on very small spaces. I mean, there, there are people who live in downtown San Antonio, Texas, who have a couple of goats in their backyard. But you need to consider that the food has to be brought in. You know, the, the, the feed, the feed has to be delivered. Uh, manure has to go out somewhere or can go on the garden, but yeah. So the the amount of space that any one or any two goats take up is, is pretty minimal. They need roughly eh, in a barn. Uh, I've seen everywhere from 15 square feet to 25 square feet, depending on on what uh, university uh, program you're looking at, as to how much barn space each animal needs. But but if they've got just an outside pen uh, big enough to let them wander around, they'll be quite happy. The one, the one issue with, well, two issues with any animal, including goats, is that, first of all, they get bored. They've, they have got, uh, they're like three-year-olds um, when it comes to personality or someone with attention deficit disorder. So <laughs> they, uh, you know, they, they need to be entertained. So even if you have a very small yard for these goats, you need to have play equipment. You need to have some rubber tires in the ground. You need to have some uh, posts that they can stand on, um, just anything, a pile of pallets that they can get on top of. They need to be entertained or, or they will they will find a way to get into trouble. Fence, fence, um, fencing is essential. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if... The, the, the second thing that is an issue is that if there are internal parasites with these animals, the smaller space that they are kept on, the more difficult it will be to control the internal parasites. Um, you know, worms, basically. Um, and as their manure continues to land in one spot and gets into the soil, gets into you know, the, the place where they live, it's just very, very difficult to to control that, to keep them healthy. So I, I, I can't give you an exact space because a person's yard does not expand with your wishes necessarily. Yeah. But 
the more space that you can give the animal, the better it is because of the health, the health perspective, both mental health and physical health of the animal. Let me ask you a question that, uh, that I've had before when I've, I've talked to people who use goats for something specific, and, and that is some people use them essentially as a weed eater or a weed whacker. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they clear land. Tell me, is that, is that a myth? Is that actually, you know, can that actually be beneficial for a homesteader? Does that happen? Well, give me some uh, thoughts on that. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Goats, uh, first of all, have a metabolism that allows them to eat noxious weeds that other animals really can't handle. Um, they, they love things like brambles. Raspberries are, are some of their favorites. That can also get them in trouble if you happen to have raspberries you want to keep. But um, they, they are used all over the country right now for for clearing uh, noxious weeds, invasive weeds. They're, they're really great. And and they will actually figure out ways to get up into the branches of some of these trees. They don't climb up a trunk like you would expect a cat to do, but if they can get onto something, they will they'll jump up into the branches, too. Wow, wow. Very cool. Wow. Very cool to see pictures of that. Let's talk breeds now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess we should probably qualify this question by asking you, Best breeds for milk, best best breeds for meat, and are there you know certain ones that can do both? Yeah, um, let's start with the both first of all. Uh, there is a breed called the Nubian. Uh, they're noted for mm-hmm. long, floppy ears and Roman noses. Uh, they also are noted for having two distinct lines. Uh, you, can, you can look at some Nubians and they're very dairy, very uh, long and lean and elegant and you see a lot of milk there and then you find others that have kind of a shorter neck and bulky. Now, I don't want to confuse this with what's called a boar goat, which also has long floppy ears and a Roman nose, but it's, it only comes up just a little bit above your, yeah, about the middle of the thigh. Sure. And whereas a dairy Nubian is going to be about hip high, but a Nubian is a pretty good um, multi-purpose animal because they they will give milk. They have very high butter fat milk, um, and and they are easy to to fatten up if you want to use them for meat. So that's that's sort of an average. But starting with that, it's sort of like the jersey of the cow. High butter fat, not as much milk production. Really good if you're going to be making cheese. We'll go to the other end of that line, which is sort of like the Holstein of the dairy goat, and that is a Sanan. Um, they are either all white or they are cream-colored. They have upright ears. Uh, they're, they're a pretty big, heavy goat, and they will they'll stand hip high. Of course, depends where your hips are. Yeah, but anyway, uh, they have uh, much higher milk production um, overall, but a little bit lower butter fat. Um, if, if you are, you can still certainly make cheese uh, from the milk of, uh, of a salmon, but it's, it's just not as much, uh, you don't get as much volume out of sure. the same amount of milk. Um, the United States has seven recognized dairy breeds, and the the others in there, uh, there would be an Alpine, which is very much like a Thanon, but comes in a lot of different colors. Uh, there is a Toggenberg, which has a very specific 
color pattern. There's an Oberhasli, which has a very specific color pattern. And then one other, oh, La Mancha, which um, you recognize because it looks like its ears froze off. Um, they come in all different colors, but have very short ears. Um, the La Mancha is very popular with a lot of people because, they, well, first of all, it's all American. That's the only one that was developed in the United States. Um, the other is that they tend to uh, have a, a, a little bit higher than average butter fat, and they make a fair amount of milk. Um, mm-hmm. There is also a Nigerian dwarf. For people who have very small properties, this is an animal to consider. Um, the, they max out at, uh, at 22 inches, so you know, we're, we're talking about a short animal. We're also talking about a really short bucket. You know, if you want to milk underneath a Nigerian <laughs> dwarf, you need a short bucket. Uh, but they have very high butter fat. It's, it's around 6% butter fat. And they can put out as much as eh, pretty close to a quart of milk a day. The, uh, the shortcoming, shortcoming, there's a pun for you. The shortcoming with a Nigerian dwarf is that they were considered pets and zoo animals and uh, uh, sort of the, the funny little goat that you see in a petting zoo. Because of that, if you really want one for a family milker, you, ne- you need to look up somebody who is actually milking the animals. You don't want to just pick up something on Craigslist or um, something that doesn't have any kind of documentation behind it as to how much milk these animals give. What about meat? Uh, if someone wants uh, uh, the goats for meat, are there certain ones that are better than others? Yeah, there there are breeds that are specifically for meat. Uh, the boar goat is one of them. That's one that came out of South Africa um, in the early 1970s. Was actually sent to no, not uh, not 70s. Excuse me, 19, 1990s. It gotcha. it went to. Um, New Zealand, uh, where the quarantine period was completed in 1993, and then uh, those animals were first. The first ones were sent into Texas. So the boar goats in the United States all started in Texas. They're a very heavy-bodied animal. They they have the long droopy ears, a round Roman nose, and they look like little hairy tanks. The, the, their heads are brown, their, their bodies generally are white, and they are just all muscle. Um, there are several others that look a little more dairy. Uh, there's a savannah goat. Uh, there's a Kiko goat. Um, the, the one that people laugh at is the fainting goat. That is actually yes. a, a meat breed. I've seen them. Um, yeah, you, and, and you make a loud noise, and its muscles suddenly... Uh, solidify and they it's it's over. it's worth a visit to YouTube to type that in. Let's put it that way. It's it's, it's incredible. <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> wonderful for YouTube. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but those are those are breeds that are specifically for meat. But every single year, in order to get a fresh milk supply, you need to breed your dough, your dairy dough, and nobody on earth really wants to keep those kids all of the kids that you come up with. So even dairy kids will work out really well for meat animals. Mm-hmm. Um, you can let them nurse off of their moms. They will build up muscle pretty fast. They can be 
they can be used as cabrito, which is a um, 30-day-old milk-fed kid, mm-hmm. kind of like a, 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 a veal animal. Sure. And they can be butchered at that age. Uh, another very popular age is somewhere around 45 pounds. At that point, they're put onto grain. So that the, the the muscles get a you know a little you get a little more marbling in it. Uh, another popular a, uh, size is somewhere around 65, 75 pounds. Uh, after that, you get an old goat, and they're yeah. not fit good for burger. Yeah, yeah. Let's tackle some myths before we close the show here, yeah. Sarah. Uh, one goat myth is that they stink, they smell. Uh, true or false? Uh, depends. <laughs> no, the females, the females do not. The males do. Okay. But that's goat perfume, and you know it's, it's all about procreation. So we'll let the bucks smell as awful as they want to, as long as as long as the girls like it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's that's their that's business. Right. That's their business. Um, <laughs> they eat everything. True or false? No, goats are really picky eaters. Now, granted, they will go out and, and clear up all the brush and so forth, but they are, they're, they're picking at parts of the bush that they like first. Then they'll go back for the rest of it. The, probably the most typical, uh, the stereotypical story of the goat is the one that's eating the tin cans. They don't, they don't eat tin cans. They will eat the paper off the outside of a tin can. But what's that made of? Huh? It's it's a paper sure. is a, a plant product. Mm-hmm. They'll lick the insides out because there's probably something in there that tastes kind of interesting. But they won't. They won't eat the can. Um, they will not eat your laundry off the line. However, uh, goats are like children stuck in the oral stage. You know, they don't have fingers, so everything has to go into the mouth so that they can feel what life is like around them. They're, they are they are testing things with their lips and their tongues. Hmm. So that's where they get the story of eating the clotheslines, you know, the clothes off the line. They, they will get them in their mouths and chew them up and spit them out, spit but, them out. Uh, but they're not going to eat the clothes. Final question for you, Sarah. Hmm? Uh, do they make good pets? They make very good pets because of their size, but they only make good pets if they are disbudded the horns really need to be removed when they are one or two days old, or the bud where the horn is going to grow. Uh, otherwise, they they will not intentionally hurt you. But any kid that is turned around with any person who's turned around with a pencil in hand and pokes somebody accidentally, you know what can happen with the horns if you've got horns on your goat. Um, and as with any pet, if they are taught to be aggressive, they will be aggressive. If you push on a goat's head, its natural response is to push back. And it's, it's funny when they are 15 pounds. It is not funny when they're 75 and 85 pounds. Yeah, yeah. So how you handle your animal is what you're going to get as a pet in the end. Good advice. Our guest has been Sarah thompson and She is the co-author of Story's Guide to Raising Dairy Goats. Of course, it's published by Story. Uh, which is at story.com. And uh, she's also a life member of the American Dairy Goat Association and uh, and an active member of the uh, Wisconsin Dairy Goat Association. Sarah, we learned a lot today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. As a reminder to our audience, uh, they can visit offgoodnews.com. Visit our gardening section where you can learn 
everything about everything about uh, raised bed gardening and no-till gardening. Both of those are uh, types of gardening that have benefits over traditional row gardening. With engineer Gavin Wright, this has been Michael Faust. Please join us again next week for another edition of Off Grid Radio. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher, and it burns, 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 the ring of fire.